Welcome to the Rise Up Live Free podcast, where we're going to be giving you the exact blueprint to reach financial freedom in 10 years or less, regardless of your age, your income, or your experience. You see, we believe that 97% of traditional financial advice is dangerous, misleading, or outright wrong. And we're here to empower you on how you can use money and cash flow as a tool to create, build, and live a life you love now rather than having to wait until you're 65. If you're ready to take immediate action, join us over at cashflowtactics.com forward slash podcast. Okay, welcome back. Rise up, live free podcast listeners. Every episode on this podcast is special, but this one's especially special. Uh, I got a Ranger buddy of mine, West Point class of mine, mate of mine, uh, investor, client of mine, Derek Shannon House. Derek, how are you doing? Say hello to everybody. Doing great, Jimmy. Glad to be here. So uh, tell everybody about yourself. So I'm uh, from Texas, grew up in Houston. Uh, like yourself, went to West Point. So I think my uh, first encounter, first memories of you is we had DDS together plebe year, which uh, was probably a half miserable experience for anybody going through West Point, but uh, some of those fond memories. Um, did the whole Army thing, was stationed at Fort Hood for six years, uh, got out of there, went to business school, and then um, went into management consulting for um, almost a decade, and, um, and then recently um, uh, switched to a, a new company in the last couple of years, but um, been a good run so far nice what are you so what what are what are you officially now a management consultant uh essentially i i do the same sort of management consulting work but internally within a company so same type of projects just a lot of uh you know kind of major corporate initiatives that we help manage within our company a lot of cost cutting sort of projects and that type of thing gotcha sweet um so you did the army you did you uh, went in the corporate world, and then you've always been picking up houses, ones and twosies, right? Yeah, so I started, actually, you'll like this one, Jimmy. got the first one, actually, on mid-tour leave um, when I was 25 or 26, coming home from Iraq. Um, my parents, probably um, 15, 20 years ago, started buying a, a fair amount of rentals, and that piqued my interest um, right when I was getting into the Army. Um, so kind of knew at that time it was definitely something I, I had an interest in and always was interested in investing but uh, when I came home Mitchell leave my parents were buying some new construction rentals and there was one next door to one of theirs and you know they were like hey this this might be a great house for you and I ran the most basic sort of pro forma you could probably ever imagine but um, bought that house and um, you know it, it, it worked out great and actually sold that one a couple of years ago that did a 1031 with you and, and parlayed that into a couple new ones so, um, yeah, no, that was just kind of a great example of definitely didn't have it all figured out. And there were more questions than answers at that time. But, it, you know, at least taking that first step definitely um, paid a lot of dividends. So, um, yeah, since then, definitely been trying to pick up a few every year. And then, like, so your parents, do they still they still own rentals? Um, a few. They've sold off most of them uh, in retirement. But, uh, no, definitely uh, still have a couple. So, so those have done well. Nice. And so... Uh, I, I have a theory that you have to do one thing to be considered a genius real estate investor. You know what it is? Stay in the game. I have done it for your 10 years. Carried a house for 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Time. Yeah. 
Uh, yep. Because, I mean, you didn't know what, so not a lot of people know this about when you deploy, but when you deploy, like you can't spend any money and you don't pay any taxes. So all of us came home flush, like very flush. And yep, absolutely. Yeah. And so you had no idea what you were doing, but, but it worked out. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it worked out really well. And that was also back in 06. So rates were, uh, I think it was six and a half percent was a rate I got. Um, even still cash lit a little bit then, but, um, um, the home was in a, a nice part of Houston too, where I grew up in North Houston. So, I mean, it, um, cash flowed well, appreciated extremely well. So, um, yeah, just, to, just kind of the classic example of just, just getting the game. And, and that's kind of the beauty of the single family real estate is, um, you know, you don't need paralysis by analysis, but you know, if you get a couple of fundamental things, right, find a good market quality home, um, you know, it's, it's hard not to turn out in a good spot after, you know, eight, 10, 15 years. And then, and you bought this in 06, right? Yes. Yeah. So if you were to watch CNN, you'd be like, oh my God, everybody who bought it 06, 07, 08 got destroyed. And it's like, no, just the people who were over leveraged got destroyed. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, well, and what's funny is I actually only put 10% down on it too, because you might recall back then the, uh, the loan requirements were less, but, um, but it was also in Texas, which like Missouri, I mean, those are, uh, you know, very stable markets and, you know, you don't have quite as much appreciation upside, but I'm totally fine with that because, um, you know, I, I'd rather have that stability. So, um, yeah, even with a lower down payment in a volatile time, um, still did totally fine. So it's a good experience. And like, how much, how much did it appreciate in 10 years? Um, bought it for 125 and sold it for um, almost 200,000. And that was two or three years ago. So um, in, in a pretty short period, of, I mean, percentage wise, I, you know, I think it averaged out to like four and a half percent a year or something when I was running some numbers on it. But I did add it up, though, it, between the cash flow, and the appreciation after tax, I think it made um, 110,000 total over the life of it. And that was on a, you know, about a $17,000 investment. So <laughs> when you do that return, that's the one I kind of looked at and I was like, man, if you can, you know, just replicate that 15 or 20 times over, um, you know, that's, that's good. Like you've ever had a stock do that? Uh, definitely not. <laughs> and like, you're in, you're in financials. Like you're much more financially sophisticated than me. Like when you came to St. Louis to look at houses, like we had a sit down and you showed me how to read a balance sheet. So <laughs> It's not, it's not like you don't understand like long-term growth of a corporate company. Yeah, no, I, I mean, the, uh, not to, you know, nerd out, but um, of course, it, Brad would probably appreciate some of the, the numbers discussion part, but yeah, just when you look at some of the returns, um, you know, you don't have to chase them with a single family real estate because as you guys teach with the, uh, you know, the core four and the pillars and everything, it's, um, if you just get in the ballpark, Again, you know, buy a buy a quality asset, someone that can operate it, manage it well. Um, you know, don't overpay up front. It's just it's it's so hard not to to get really nice returns and end up in that good spot down the road. So that's just why I've continued to want to bite off more and more real estate and, and just kind of um, you know don't feel the need to to have to go crazy. But I just know just keep keep stacking up those consistent base hits and um, you know it's it's already paying off. But I know in another couple of years it, it's going to pay off. You know exponentially more i'm not supposed to do this on 
all the millennial marketers I work with say I'm not allowed to do this, but Clatworthy's watching. What's up, Clat? <laughs> <laughs> um, so that that house that you bought before the crash, like, so did it dip? Did it dip in the you know 08, 09, 10? What What's funny is you know now you can jump online and go to Zillow or Trulia or all these you know information sites. I mean back then some of that maybe existed, but I, I didn't even look, I, I couldn't even tell you, you know, um, I knew it was cash flowing at the time. I mean, not much back then, but you know, maybe it was, you know, a little less than 200 a month, but, uh, it, it probably did dip, but I, I don't know if it did. Um, so it, it just wasn't much of a concern, but, um, over the long run, it, you know, obviously worked out fine. Nice. And so, um, you're, you're 40, right? I'm 41. Are you 40? Yep. So uh, yeah, I'll be, I'll be 41 in a month. So I'm, I'm not far behind you. So what's your plan with these? Um, what's your plan with these rentals? Like if you were going to, if you were going to tell somebody about turnkey rentals, how, you know, what would you say is the advantage of them? Yeah. Great question. Um, five ideas. They weren't turnkeys. I, I was doing it on my own and that was sort of my, plan honestly until i met you um you know years ago when, when you were getting joint ops off the ground back in the day seems like a different lifetime ago but um i guess there's a few factors with turnkeys that i love is first one is just you can scale you know uh to try to do it on your own with a busy job i mean it's just sure there's people that maybe somehow so you were off, but you were swinging hammers on your own right uh, well, I guess the one smart thing I was doing that was probably a function of being in Texas too, because there's so much new construction here is the ones that were buying, we're all brand new homes. Okay. First four or five homes. All, so that actually from a maintenance standpoint was awesome because you literally had no maintenance for the first, you know, three or four years. Um, but as soon as I did start to hit, then that, you know, became, a, I was self-managing, you know, all the stuff that you, you guys kind of preach that, you know, a lot of people sometimes insist on learning those lessons the hard way, but um uh, you know, I quickly learned over time, that's not the smartest way. And, and back to the scale, you can't scale when you're, you know, kind of playing small ball and everything. So that's the first part of me is tur turnkey is you can scale, you know, very quickly if you want. Um, you know, the other I part actually, too is I built. Well, yesterday I actually had this discussion with another buddy of ours, Scotty, and he wants to do an Airbnb. And he's like, should I self-manage? And I was like, bro. And by, by the way, this friend of ours, he, he's a baller in Manhattan. Yeah. But, you know, he tends to be a cheap bastard at times. And so yeah. uh, I'm like, he's like, should I manage this Airbnb on my own? I'm like, I don't know, dude, what's your hourly rate? And he's like, probably around 300 bucks. I'm like, okay, that's cool. What is your, uh, what's the main, what's the management cost for a month of property management? He's like 200 bucks. I'm like, you think you should really waste your time on this stuff? Like, yeah. I management fees, everybody complains about them, but they're the greatest, they're the greatest way to pay someone and just get problems off your back. No, absolutely. Well, and here's the thing that I've learned through that is um, because yeah, sometimes people will just nickel and dime and, and, you know, well, maybe I can save a hundred bucks a month here or there or something, but from a, a, a risk management standpoint or from call it disaster resolution or whatever, when something awful goes bad with the house, the last thing you're equipped to do is deal with any of that. If you're just, you know, the regular Joe, cause I know I had a house in Houston 
you know, it floods or there's a hurricane here. It seems like annually now, which, which is, you know, kind of unfortunate, but I had a house, there was a, a freeze here in February, pipes burst. Um, the house was partially destroyed, you know, cost $20,000 to fix. And I didn't really have to deal with any of it, but I can only imagine having to, you know, and then of course there weren't enough vendors, they were price gouging. So there was all this stuff all over Facebook locally about people paying astronomical prices. And, um, and for me, it turned out to be uh, not a bad experience at all because I had a property management company did a great job. And um, I guess I got fortunate with that one too, because the insurance actually reimbursed me for a lot more than what the repairs were. So, although at first it was a headache and, you know, of course you're, you're not happy when pipes burst, but um, you know, sometimes those things can work out in your favor, but yeah, the, the, the man to self-manage is just, it's foolish. You know, in the long run, you're going to lose money. And I tell people too, with property management company, you know, you have a tenant move out, they can do the make ready and, uh, you know, 10 days or under if it's a good company where yourself, if you can do all that in 30 days, that's probably amazing. So, you know, what is that 20, 30, 40 extra days worth? And, um, but again, it's, it's one of those experiences I feel like most people or not most, but majority of real estate investors tend to make that mistake, even when you're telling them not to. Um, but that's another huge one with the, the turnkey is just, you know, I think the quality of management and with you guys, I'd say the quality of your rehabs, that's the thing that I think you guys have gotten incredibly good at is, um, you know, you've always done a, a decent job of that, but just, I mean, those, those rehabs look super nice inside and I'll show my family picture of some of those and, you know, they'll look at them and be like, wait, whose house is that? And I'm like, no, that's, that's the little St. Louis house we bought, you know, and they're pleasantly surprised just how nice they look. So, um, you know, more than just aesthetics. I mean, but I think that's just a, a nice thing where I know you guys do a great job of that. And so just kind of that trust that a professional operator is going to do a hell of a lot better than you are. It's going to save money, it's better quality, lower maintenance long-term. So, I mean, it's um, tons of reasons why I think it makes sense. Well, you know, here's my philosophy on us being professional operators is like, we can only do it badly so many reps. So, True. You just got to assume we're going to do, if we care the least amount, we're going to be continuously improving and continuously get, getting yeah. better. Yeah, like, absolutely. Yeah. Like the first 20 houses I flipped, I thought I was like the most awesome person ever. And like the worst experience of my life was house 20 through house 80 because <laughs> I tried to scale real fast and I didn't think about any of the downside or anything. And I didn't understand anything financially. And um, I was basically doing checkbook or check account bookkeeping. Like, oh, there's money in the account. I must be rich today, right? And, wow. yeah. <laughs> and so I can't still articulate financially why that's so wrong. I just know that's a big no-no. But well, basically it's because I couldn't read a cash flow statement. But so that was a, something I had to learn the hard way. But you got to figure the professionals are messing up so often that they're getting better every iteration where if you mess up your own make ready one time, you don't have a long enough lever for that, for that lesson to be learned. It, it, all it'll be is a painful, painful thing you messed up. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like, you know, if you screw up too much out of the gate, well, then you just get discouraged. Um, and then, you know, a lot of people fall in that category of, you know, well, this just isn't for me or somebody warned me about this and they must be right. Cause this is a mess when it's, it's no, you just, you got to be smarter about it and, you know, know when to outsource. And when it's not your day job, you should probably hire somebody that is a professional and knows what they're doing. 
get in your unique ability and make as much profit as you can in your unique ability and then trade yep. with others. Yep, absolutely. So, um, so the other thing about you where I was like, wait, why isn't he doing this? A lot of people come, they'll meet, they'll see what we're doing. And they're like, Jimmy, I want to buy 10 houses, one a month then for the next 10 to 12 months. And then I'm like, okay, like we'll try. But like, I, I, you know, the bank is not going to allow you to go that fast. Like, but like, and so I found those yeah. people have been not the happiest clients where you, you're just like, you know, I'm killing it at work. Family's good. I'm going to pick off two or three of these a year and then just kind of, uh, kind of hang out. Like that's been, I don't know if that's how you articulate your investment philosophy, but that's, that's what I've noticed. Uh, well, yeah, it's just being steady about it. Cause your first point about, you know, working with the banks and can you realistically get, you know, 10 houses closed in a year and, and sure. I mean, people have managed to, to kind of muscle we, out and get it done. We've but, done, but, but it, it has been exhausting. It, it, I think that's a point too. It's just, um, yeah, it's it kind of the brain damage associated with that. You know, it's just, it, it's painful. And I guess for me, trying to just kind of be balanced with as much as I can, um, you know, where I could try to put all my eggs in one basket and have a insane 18 months or something. But um, it, it just, I, I know enough that, you know, chipping away three or four a year, um, it, it's already adding up quickly and, and going to just continue to accelerate more. But just kind of that, that steady pace back to the stacking of base hits. I mean, it works very well. Um, and the other point, I guess, too, to factor in is like now that, you know, there's been a lot of appreciation this last year and anyone who's owned homes for, you know, more than five or six years. There's You're a, a genius. Yeah, well, it's a lot. now I'm going through doing a bunch of cash out refis and, and that's a ton of brain damage. So that's fun, you know, because definitely reaping the rewards, which is cool. But it just kind of reiterates, too, of just, you know, sure, if someone wants to go get eight or ten a year, I mean, that's, you know, you know that's totally their prerogative and not that it's the wrong thing, but it's just, it's, it's maybe more than people realize, or it's um, inevitably you're going to, you're going to have a lot of frustration. And I think long-term it's a better experience and you're still going to end up in a fantastic place financially, just kind of having more of that measured pace. Or that's what I found again, back to the balance. That, that's what worked well for me and just kept me motivated where I don't burn out or just get too frustrated. Well, tell, tell me what you think about this concept. Like people want to diversify amongst um, asset classes. They want to diversify amongst, uh, you know, geographies in real estate. I, I want to diversify around the market cycle as well. So, because sure. when you were buying for me in 2016, you're buying, I would assume right now you're buying for completely different reasons, probably to beat inflation right now as opposed to, uh, you know, it was a straight cash flow play in like 16 and 17. And 100%. Yeah, it's, I, I think much more now. And, and some of my friends I know that are starting to dabble a little bit in single family is they'll ask me. And I mean, yeah, inflation this last couple months, it's definitely been um, much more top of mind and, and seeing all the appreciation recently. But I'll say that and and still just the, the cheap debt, you know, of yeah. trying to, um, you know, tr trying to gobble up as much of that. It's it just because, I've done it enough to know that the cash flows there and that's going to continue to grow. Just, you know, rates go up every year, part of the inflation, but um, just much more appreciation for the inflation and that kind of those debt levers that 
um, yeah, initially you're right. It's, it's mostly just cash flow and, you know, kind of the, kind of the white knuckling of the pro forma around some of that, but, um, you're right. The, the reasons have definitely, definitely changed. And, um, and just, it's, it's just, uh, maybe a little bit more relaxing kind of trusting some of those macro level, um, you know, factors that I know are going to work in my favor. Yeah. So like anybody buying, like, if you buy a house from me today, you're probably going to pay like 20 to 25 more than you did in 16 and 17, but cost of capital, your long-term, I could probably run these numbers, your long-term cost over 30 years, I guarantee you is probably going to be about the same. Probably. Yeah. I, I know the rates are definitely lower now too, because most of my rates I'm refinancing out or from home to bought from you, you know, three, four years ago. And yeah, they were, you know, four and a half, 5%. And now they're, you know, three and a quarter, 3.5. Um, so it's still, uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, pulling the money out, but the, the actual payments in, in some cases are, they're going down. So, um, yeah, it's all working well. Well, I hope our wise overlords in the federal government continue on with their fiscal irresponsibility so we can continue to manipulate it in the real estate markets. I, I, I mean, you joke, but I, I well, it, it's just, it's, nice to know that at least having a you know not that i have some huge portfolio but i know i've at least got enough of a foundation where it's a it's a hell of an inflation hedge at least where i'm currently sitting but i i just yeah if i was all in if i didn't have the real estate portfolio i'd be a ton more nervous about inflation and just a lot of the you know stuff in the economy that's uh you know just just tough to read but not very encouraging if you're an investor so um that's you know the real estate's been it's been great Sweet. So, well, I know you're a busy man. I know it's Friday. I appreciate you coming on to the podcast. Um, you know, you got any last parting word for the Rise Up Live Free audience? You're kind of, you're an OG. Everybody knows you. You've been around a long time. Anything you want to say? Um, I, I guess I'm trying to maybe think if I've got any good parting wisdom for uh, maybe any of the newer folks. Um, I guess I would just say, you know, people starting off are the ones that, you know, either don't have one uh, rental yet or only a couple. Um, I know you guys have always talked a lot about the hero's journey and there's been a lot of good information and messages around that. But, uh, you know, I think a lot of those people would look at yourself and Ryan and Brad. It's, you know, it's you own however many you own, Jimmy, 90, 100 homes or, you know, plus or minus 20, whatever it is, or you guys almost look like you're in the stratosphere and it's like, God, it's hard to imagine being like that, you know, but it, it's all relative. And I guess from the perspective of somebody who's got a nice ass portfolio, but not quite at that, you know, Jimmy Breland, El Jefe status yet. Um, <laughs> it, it's uh, that hero journey is totally true, you know, but just the be patient and, and there's going to be peaks and valleys in it, but you've got to give yourself a couple of years and you've got to accumulate enough homes as in, I'd say probably, you know, eight to 10, just to where you can see kind of year in, year out, the benefit of all the, uh, you know, levers that real estate offers, because I've noticed in some years, maybe my cash flow wasn't what I wanted and I may get a little frustrated, but then I look at the appreciation and some of that would spike more or like this year where appreciation's way higher than expected and the cash flow is higher. So, you know, every, everybody this year feels genius if you're, you know, have any sort of real estate investment, but it's just got to give yourself time and that patience. And that's where for me, the, three or four year works perfect. And, um, you know, it, it's not broke. So I'm not trying to fix that, but, um, just that, that hero's journey and just being willing to stick with it and don't judge, 
um, a lifetime of real estate investing off of your first three or six months of your first rental because, you know, there's just that's not enough of a data set. So um, oh, here, my, uh, here is a good question that can actually add value to people. Like, how often do you actually look at your books on your rentals? Uh, on my well, probably just once a month. I, I mean, um, uh, it, it, but that's very. I've just got like a very simplistic, I've got a little personal budget spreadsheet that I check out almost every day, just it's simply bouncing a checkbook, you know, but once a month, um, I'll just track how much cash came in, uh, just based on the reports that you guys have and just kind of keep a running tally of that. And, um, and, and I'll, I've got a little annualized thing where, um, you know, it'll annualize that out just to kind of show where I'm trending to give a forecast for the year. But really basic, you know, and, and I'll admit to, I mean, you know, even just a year or two ago, I probably looked at some of that more than I needed to, or, you know, I still had to fight some of the, those kind of white knuckle tendencies, but um, definitely have gotten past that and, and bigger fish to fry, you know, so um, yeah, don't look at it too often now. Yeah. So if you're new in the game and you're checking it like a stock ticker, stop. I, yeah. I'll be honest with you. I look at my rentals every 90 days just because it's like yeah. a month too short to see a trend. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I would agree. Yeah. I, I think over time, yeah, it's definitely less and less of a need for, you know, the constant monitoring. Or I think it's just, is, is everyone kind of matures as an investor too? You just have more confidence about what's going on. There's just less of that kind of anxiousness, you know, where you're wanting to, wanting to jump on it or it's I kind of look at it too you know if you're on a diet if you weigh yourself you know every day I mean that's you know probably not the ideal way to, to keep track of things or you got to give yourself enough time for results to actually happen so um, it's uh, less is probably more in terms of all the the data and the financial analysis yeah I, I agree with that completely well we uh, appreciate you coming on the podcast bro uh, have a great weekend absolutely all right man thank you Jamie Thank you so much for listening to the Rise Up Live Free podcast. Do you want to connect with me and other empire builders who are on a mission to take control of their financial plans and become financially free in 10 years or less? Well, then join us in our private Facebook group where we get to go deeper into the topics of financial freedom. And it's the only place you can see the actual results of people on their path to financial freedom, learn what's working, and interact as a community dedicated to becoming financially free. When you join, you'll get immediate access to exclusive training in a private membership area. This training will empower you in your path to becoming financially free, and it will fast track your results. This is the only place you get access to this exclusive content. So be sure to join us in the Facebook group now. Just go to cashflowtactics.com forward slash group or head over to Facebook and search Cashflow Tactics to join. I look forward to you joining us next time on the Rise Up Live Free podcast.